There are billions of parrots in the world, yet we often feel like we're alone. At Rebel Parenting, you'll find honest, real advice from parents who are trying and sometimes failing just like you are. It's practical, tangible, and born from the real struggles parents face. Bring your questions and find answers. Bring your guilt and find grace. Bring your frustrations and find hope. Welcome to Rebel Parenting, a safe place for imperfect parents. I'm Ryan Dobson, and this week we're tackling the number one cause of divorce, and that's money. Our guest is financial expert and New York Times bestselling author, Rachel Cruz. Once again, no guilt or shame, just sound advice for all of us trying to get better. So please enjoy our interview with Rachel Cruz. Rachel, thank you so much for being on. Thank I know God. you're busy, you're traveling around. Um, You've been speaking with your dad since age 15. You've done all the Ramsey events. I've seen you. You're amazing. Um, but you're really trying to speak to a different generation. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of what I think is different about this generation. But I want to hear from you. You know, your dad's talking to a little bit of an older generation, my dad's generation, maybe just a little bit older than me. And this new generation has a lot of different things going on with it and their belief systems and ideas. I think one of the big differences with young people growing up is they've lived under this burden of debt. And so debt really isn't a bad word. I mean, we use it as a bad word. Our country's got trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. And we know about student loan debt and how collectible it is and all these things. It feels like we just don't consider debt that big of a deal anymore. That's one of them. What do you think is a big difference with the next generation and how you're trying to reach them? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's one thing for sure. So, yeah, thanks for, for having me back on, you guys. I, I so appreciate this because this is a message that is uh, so near and dear to my heart. So everything from, you're exactly right, the idea that debt is so normal. I mean, it's a part of everyday life for so many people, and the thought of living without debt seems crazy uh, because our parents' generation, debt, you know, the car loans, the credit cards all became so normal and a part of life. And so um, what's really happened is that this this now, this generation is the most indebted generation in history. Uh, when you look at all the statistics, whether it's student loan debt with the average college student graduating with $32,000 in debt, uh, you look at the average car payment now, it's close to $500 a month. It's like $492 a month on a new car. Wow. Um, the average family owes $16,000 in their credit cards. I mean, it just, it seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse when you look at the numbers. Um, so the hard thing is, is that we've just accepted this as normal. And so for a generation, um, you know, my, my um, push for them is to really look different and, and say, okay, what would my life look like if I didn't have payments? You know, the burden mm -hmm. that, that debt puts on um, not only an entire family, but definitely that individual of, you know, the, the sleep you lose at night, you know, the reason you go to work is to pay bills in, instead of enjoyment. I mean, there's so many things that are tied to this idea of owing someone something. So, so that's a huge, a huge part. And I think um, for this generation too, and I think, I'm, I think my parents' generation deals with this as well, um, but very much so my generation is the whole idea of social media mm -hmm. uh, in this world of comparison living is just is rampant. Yes. Yeah, talk about that because um, you've written a book that uh, just came out, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. And one of the big themes and habits is to get off of that comparison. How do you feel social media is really getting us into debt? What ends up happening is, is we're watching what everyone else is doing, right? We have a picture into everyone's life. And keeping up with the Joneses 
15, 20 years ago, you actually had to see the Joneses in person. Right. Right? You had to, like, listen to them talk about their vacation or see their new car being pulled in the driveway. Like, you actually had to see them in person. And now we carry them around in our back pockets on our phones. And, you know, thanks to Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and, and all these social media channels, uh, we're seeing the best part of everyone's life. And that's the hard thing. I mean, you're seeing the vacations. You're seeing the new car. You're seeing the redone kitchen. Uh, you're, you're seeing all these great things um, because it's everyone's highlight reel. And so what ends up happening is you spend money, or I'm finding that people are spending money that they may or may not have to keep up a lifestyle that they think everyone else is living mm. and they're the ones missing out. And, and for this generation, too, I'm finding that, that more than just stuff, more than the new car um, or the new house, it's a lot of the experiential things in life that we're spending money on. So it's the vacations. It's the nice dinners out with, you know, Three quarters, you know, you got your charcuterie plates, and then you have your your dinner, and then your appetite. Right? It's the, it's the experience uh, of life that that this generation is spending more money on, is what it seems like. And so, um, so debt quickly can enter the picture because if you don't have the money for that lifestyle, but everyone else you feel like around you is doing it because you're seeing it on social media or you're being invited to these parties or whatever it is, um, it's so much. It can seem so much easier to just swipe the credit card and do the things you mm. want in the moment versus looking at the future. So what would you say to someone who's just want, like they're seeing it, they're like, okay, I'm done. I'm done in this game. I want to take a different path for my future. What would you say, like, where, where would someone even start? Say they have mounds of debt and they've, you know, been living that way. Where would they begin? Sure. Well, I would say uh, in the comparison world, I think really mm. deals with the, with the heart aspect of money. And so yeah. I would say for that person, um, to be able to quit the comparisons and put yourself back in the driver's seat of your own life and take ownership of your life is so key. I think that's one of the first steps. Um, and for me, I, I have found that, honestly, just being grateful mm. uh, it takes you so far. I mean, in a heart filled with gratitude, there is no room for discontentment and comparisons. Mm. And so starting there and, and really finding contentment and peace at where you are uh, right now in life. And, and that doesn't mean you, you're not striving for more goals or you're working hard towards something, but just really having that peace of saying, okay, this is where I am. Um, and, and, and when you're content, it's easier to get out of debt. It's easier to save. It's easier to give. Uh, it's amazing when that happens. And so finding that contentment being your foundation. And then mm. uh, looking at, you know, what you're asking about, about paying off debt. So yeah. I um, – I, we have found over, you know, dad's been doing this for, for over 20 years. So we found the most efficient way to pay off debt. Logistically speaking is this, if you list out all of your debts, smallest to largest, yeah. regardless yeah. of the interest rate, pay <laughs> minimum payments on everything and pay off the smallest debt first. And then once that's paid off, roll it over to the second smallest debt uh, and start working your way really out of debt that way. And, and, and what's difficult, too, is, is it's so easy to get into debt, but it's really hard really? to get out. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So totally. it's going to take work. It's going to take sacrifice, but it's possible. Oh, yeah. Your dad calls that the snowball principle. I, I reread Total Money Makeover again last year. I'm just... I mean, I can tell our listeners, I'm bad with money. Like, I've been to Financial Peace University. I have everydollar.com. I've read Total Money Makeover a couple of times. I still struggle with it. And, yes. you know, I think that attitude about money, people's attitude towards money. I was talking to someone recently who had, um, he was in some financial trouble, had some debt and uh, an upside down mortgage. And his his accountant said, oh man, just file for bankruptcy. This is no big deal anymore because everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. And in six or seven years, you'll just be one of the millions of people that filed for bankruptcy. It's really not going to be like it used to be. The stigma doesn't carry. Um, 
and that changes i think our attitude towards debt of it's not only not that much of a negative thing but you can kind of get out of it too i mean who thinks the government's going to pay off who knows how many trillions of dollars of debt so then why shouldn't i right and the difficult thing is with that mindset you're not changing your behavior at all you're mm. just changing the situation and the numbers you're rearranging but what's going to end up happening is seven years after that you haven't changed. You've done no hard work on yourself, and so you're probably going to end up back where you were. I mean, maybe not as detrimental, but this idea of overspending and um, you know getting into a house you can't afford, I mean, those kind of things um, are, are still in your future because your behavior hasn't changed. And that's why I really encourage people um, to really, really, really take ownership, and, and bankruptcy is your absolute last resort. And things like student loans – majority of the time aren't bankruptable. So there yeah. will be debt that does carry over. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the thing is working on yourself and to say, okay, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make the sacrifices. Because there is a part of, um, I'm not going to say that it's a blanket statement for everyone, but definitely for majority of people, I mean, there's a personal responsibility that has to be taken to say, okay, mm. I did this mess. No one did this to me. I did this. And, and I hear my dad talk about that all the time. I mean, mom and dad filed for bankruptcy. Um, they were in that position the year I was born, actually. Um, oh, wow. But dad, I remember him telling the story that he finally had to look himself in the mirror and say, I had to stop blaming everyone else. I was the one that put myself into this. So I want to figure out um, you know, how do I get out of this mess? What does that look like? And so that's kind of how this this company was built on, on those principles afterwards, finding, you know, the common sense way of, of dealing with money. So my encouragement for people is I know it can seem so hopeless because yeah. money, it is such a shameful and embarrassing, a, a heart-wrenching, a burden. I mean, it mm. really can be such a negative part of people's lives. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would encourage people, no matter where you are, whether it is the brink of bankruptcy or you feel like you're just living paycheck to paycheck and you're just not getting ahead, to really, really look at your situation and be very intentional with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So things like being able to get out of debt and pay that off, we're finding that families are getting out of debt within 18 to 24 months of starting the debt snowball. Wow. So it's powerful when, when, you're, when you start behaving in this way and you start seeing progress and it's like, okay, you know, even if it's a $400 Macy's card, like it's paid off. Okay, I can do this. You yeah. know, and you really get intense. You make the sacrifices and, and the hope and the freedom that comes at the end of that and the change that you've made in yourself mm -hmm. through that process, is, it's priceless. It's amazing um, gaining that dig dignity back in yourself and to say, okay, I can do this mm. um, and living on a budget, living on a plan. And so, you know, it's these things, these habits to implement in your life. That's what I talk about in my new book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. But it's true. These small decisions we make day in and day out with our money make an impact. So let's be wise with them. We're not ever going to be perfect. So Ryan, I hear you. And yeah. I'm a spender naturally. And I probably lean your way more natural than the other way, actually. Um, but just really, really focusing on that and, and focusing on putting these good money habits mm -hmm. in place because it's powerful where they'll take you. It's true. I love what you said about changing ourselves. You know, if you file for bankruptcy seven years later, you're still the same person. It, it reminds me of two very powerful documentaries. I think they're both on Netflix right now. One is called Lucky, and it's about lottery winners. And the other is called Broke, about professional athletes. And mm -hmm. Lucky was so interesting watching these people that won the lottery and then went bankrupt. Or I mean, wishing they had never won it or, by the end. That's exactly sure. right. Wishing they had never won that. I mean, it was a curse. And the curse is to people that don't know how to spend money that yes. didn't change their behavior, didn't change their life, didn't change their relationships, and their back being broke again. And the same thing with the professional athletes. They're not being taught early on. The same way, it's easy to blame other people. My first day at college, 
there's all these booths set up and Discover Card was set up. And I thought, Discover Card, you're going to give me a credit card? <laughs> First day at college, I'm 19 years old, got a credit card. You got a Discover Card, didn't you, Ryan? Oh, right? baby, are you kidding? <laughs> I was in debt with that credit card For till. Like a decade. <laughs> oh, no, it was more than a decade. Yeah. I can remember being 21 and not being in college for a while and still having, and I didn't know if I missed a payment, my interest rate went to 19.8%. I mean, I was paying almost 20% every single month on this thing. Uh, And I blamed credit card companies. Well, they were, you know, predatory tactics and all that. Yeah. And I still kept spending. I spent the money thinking, oh, it's just free money. I don't have to pay it back right now, but I paid back. I mean, it was a thousand dollar limit. I probably paid $15,000, $20,000 back in interest over that because it took a long time to change the behavior. I think the behavior has changed now. Um, You know, you talk a lot about changing your habits and steering clear of debt. But as I talk to people, I mean, student loans, you you can't get away from student loan debt. And uh, you can't get away from, I mean, you're going to buy a house. You have to go into debt to buy a house, right? I mean, these are things, aren't there some things that you have to go into debt for? Uh, I would say no. I would say that there's a <laughs> way you. to be able to really live life completely debt-free, but it's a choice you have to make. And is it easy? No. It's it's very difficult, yeah. and it's very weird, okay? It's very weird. <laughs> um, but the idea for the student loan aspect, it's amazing. Just looking at the research and the numbers, what I'm finding is that the average college student works 20 hours a week. They can actually pay their way through an in-state school. So our student loan crisis I'll be bold and say this. I don't think it's a student loan crisis. I think it's a parenting crisis. Yeah. I think parents are letting their 18-year-olds decide where to go to school. So they're going out of state. They're going to private colleges. They're going to places they simply can't afford. But if you walk with your 18-year-old and you say, okay, you're going to go to community college for the first two years. We're going to apply for scholarships and grants. You're going to get a job. You know, These things together actually do equal being able to graduate college in four years without student loan debt. And is it hard? Yes. You may have yeah. to go to a school you don't want to go to, you know, but it's the school that you can that's what you can afford um so there's those kind of decisions to make and then when it comes to the mortgage that is the one type of debt i won't yell at you for so getting a house <laughs> you know, getting a mortgage is you know it, it is if you do it responsibly uh, but i will say i have talked to couples young couples even uh who did amazing things in order to pay cash for a house i was mm. talking to a couple in dallas and it was they got married right after college and she was a teacher making about thirty thousand dollars a year and he worked i don't know in some corporate job or something, and he made about $50,000 a year. And what they did is they lived above an old lady's garage in a little apartment above her garage, and they didn't pay rent because the guy actually did the lady's yard work. So they lived there rent-free, and they did it for four years. They lived off of her salary, banked his, and then they wrote a check for a $150,000 house, a little starter home, and then she had $50,000 to furnish it. Whoa. And there is a couple without a mortgage. And I heard that story and I was like, are you kidding me? But it's amazing because if you just look like four years of sacrifice, you can do anything for four years, right? And I know that incomes are different and housing is different in different different cities. But, I mean, $150,000 starter home, majority places except for – San Francisco and Manhattan and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, Newport your Kansas Beach. cities, yeah, your Oklahoma cities, your Nashvilles, your Birmingham's. I mean, these these everyday, you know, American cities, you can find some great property uh, that's not a ton of money. And and they said, too, that their realtor begged them to put that as a down payment on a Ugh. bigger house. Oh, of course. So like, could you imagine yeah. what bigger house you could get? 
and they stayed within their means, and they, I mean, this couple, I'm like, they will never have a mortgage. Yeah, they're free. They, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And so this idea of living, living completely debt-free, it is 100% possible. It's hard work. Um, people would say it's not for everyone, um, but it <laughs> is possible. And so that's what I want to get in your mind. Again, a mortgage is the one type of debt I won't yell at you for, but student loans, man, get them out of your life. Pay them off quickly. Sally Mae, it seems like she's moved in and, and she's hanging out with everyone yeah. for years and years and years. Um, but if you are a parent and, and you're looking at kids' college, um, you're not a bad parent if you can't pay for college. So do not hear me say that at all. <laughs> I think parents put this pressure on themselves to pay for college. And, and I'm telling you, you, it is not your responsibility. It is not an entitlement. It is a blessing to be able to go to school. Yeah. But your student at 18 years old can make decisions with your help to still go debt-free even today. Well, not only that, as a parent, you're also really investing in your child's future. Money is the number one cause of divorce in our country. Fights over money literally cause more divorce than any other issue out there. If you can teach your 18-year-old to not go into debt, to learn how to plan, to learn how to budget, those types of things, to learn how to work hard, to have delayed gratification, those are all difficult things to teach. If you can, you're erasing about 50% of the divorces that are going on. That's a big deal. And as a parent, not only do you not need to feel guilty for not paying for college, you can feel great about your parenting ability because you're helping your children avoid divorce. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what a great spouse to raise, right? I mean, like, that's, <laughs> that's what you're doing ultimately. I mean, it's an incredible thing as a, you know, to be able to marry, uh, marry a spouse with that kind of character and that kind of sustainability in this area because you're exactly right. I mean, money fights, they're no joke. If you've had one, you know. I mean, it's a very – it's a difficult thing because money's never just about money. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get to the root of it, it really does – it magnifies your fears, your dreams, your goals. I mean, it's a very uh, vulnerable place to be when you're with your spouse, and this is something you're fighting over because it's, you know, the guy's self-esteem is down. She feels yeah. – insecure about the situation. I mean, there's so many emotions that are driving this. And so to be able um, to get on the same page as a spouse, not only put gun money habits in place before marriage, because what a great foundation to build there. But when you are married, you know, work together. I mean, the unity that is caused in a marriage when you can agree on your money. Again, you're not just agreeing on money. Just like I said earlier, you're agreeing on, on, on your fears and, and goals, dreams, where you want to be as a couple. That's really what you're agreeing on. And yeah. so it's an amazing thing when you can come together with your spouse and budget together, dream together, um, and really be on the same page. I mean, it's so, so vital. Definitely. Well, we're going to talk about the B word now because, <laughs> you know, Rachel, I quit my job in January and Laura and I just decided we will not overdraw on our account. We won't. We're just not going to do it. I had some money saved up that is getting us through the lean times. At least it certainly, we hope it's getting us through the lean times. And I just want our listeners to know it's very, very hard to not spend money in lean times because I feel bad. I feel bad that I don't have the same benefits that I did at my last job. I don't have the same income as I did when I was at my last job. We have a reduced income and it makes me feel ashamed of my position. And when I feel that way, the first thing I want to do is go buy something to prove to me and everybody around me that everything's fine. Everything's fine. I've still got money. I can buy whatever I want. And controlling that has been, I mean, we're doing it. I'm doing it uh, on my part. Laura's definitely doing it on hers. It's much easier. He's doing very well. (laughs) I am. (laughs) 
but it's hard. It really is. So jump into it. The thing that Laura and I struggled with most is budgeting. And I think a lot of people do. It's such a scary thing because in a way it shows you how much you don't have and it can show you how much you do have. But in the, I think in the beginning, it's like, oh my goodness, how am I going to, you know, live off of the five cents that's left over at the end of our budget, you know, kind of thing. Right. So how oh, do we absolutely. do that and make it a positive thing? How do we talk about it in a positive light? Yes. Well, I've had to, in my own mind, switch what the budget is. Because for so mm. long, I feel like when I talk to people, uh, the budget was either intimidating. People had no idea where to start. Yeah. Uh, the budget, you know, there's a little bit of denial, like you're saying. It's like, I don't even want to know what's going on with our money because I feel <laughs> right. like it's bad. So I don't want to know. Uh, and then I and then I talk to people that they fall in the camp that well if I live on a budget that means I'm living you know cheap and I can't have any fun um, and, and I hear that concept and so and I'm a natural spender so hear me say that and I'm a natural free spirit so budgeting uh, kind of like you guys this is one of the harder habits for me to 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 get traction in my own life uh, because I don't naturally bend that way mm. but what I've learned is when you are doing a budget and you plan out every single dollar, you're intentional with where it's going, a budget doesn't limit that freedom. A budget gives you freedom. Hmm. So it really gives you permission to spend. It gives you permission to say, okay, I can be at the grocery store and this is what I have to spend. I don't have to second guess it. I don't have to feel bad about it. There has to, there's no emotion there because it is planned. This is what I can spend and you can spend it. And the freedom to be able to do that is, is pretty amazing. And even if it's just a small amount, right? Because right. I, mean, I know there's limits and there's boundaries. But you're not second guessing yourself and you're not wondering, should this money been go, you know, go to pay our cell phone bill or go to insurance? I, I don't know if it's okay for me to do this. Mm. Your budget's going to tell you. It's going to tell you, yes, you can or no, you can't. Right. Sometimes you're going to have to say no. Uh, and I would say, you know, some people think, well, okay, well, if you don't have a ton of money, then you definitely need a budget. But I would say it's under the scope of everyone. No matter <laughs> what kind of income you're, you're making, you have to be intentional. Because guess what? If you make $30,000 a year and you spend $35,000 a year, you're $5,000 in debt. And if you make $100,000 a year and you spend $150,000 a year, yeah. you're $50,000 yeah. in debt, right? No matter, no matter what you're making, you can get into debt very easily if you're not careful. And so being very intentional with those dollars and where they're going. And I would say uh, you know, a tip that I've had to learn, Winston and I, is, is you may change it throughout the month. Mm. And that's okay. You, know, okay. you may look and say, okay, we're not you know, we're eating out a little bit more than we thought. We're not going to be grocery shopping as much. So let's lower that category up out to eat so that everything is still reconciled. Because ideally, your budget is your income for the month minus all of your expenses equals zero. So every dollar that is coming in is assigned to a category. Mm -hmm. um, and again, is, I, I would say be able to change it and be and be flexible throughout the month uh, with those numbers if you need to be. I like that it's not set in stone, that you actually can shift around a little bit if necessary. Is that also why you believe in using cash, not cards, when like you do go shopping, when you do, because then it's a finite amount. That's all you have. You know, if you've got 50 bucks in your wallet, then it's $50, $50. on groceries. That's all there is. And then it's not, yeah. then you're not really second guessing. You're not going, well, this is, I could use a little bit more here. It's just too easy to fudge when you've got that card with really no dollar amount on it. Yeah, exactly. No, I love the envelope system. And I actually came out with my own wallet. Um, just this month with the with my clip system, it's kind of a oh. modernized version of of the envelope system. So, ladies out there, you can check it out. That I sounds awesome. Yeah, so I do it for out to eat, I do it for groceries, I do it for clothing and personal. Because you're exactly right; it's a great accountability partner. Because the money's there, and when it's gone, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. You stop spending. It gives you that mm, hard that freedom, uh, that hard boundary, which yeah. some of us need. I mean, I know I do. Yeah, yeah. definitely. You know, one of the habits in 
Chloe, we got a couple minutes left. I was listening to an interview, and I heard Jennifer Garner, uh, married to Ben Affleck, talking about they really want their children to know where they give and why they give in their charitable giving, that that's a big part of their lives, that they want to help people that can't help themselves or invest in, in areas they feel are important. Why do you feel it's important to give even when you're trying to save, you're trying to, you know, control your budget, you're trying to get out of debt, and even in getting out of debt, you're saying we should give at the same time. Giving changes you on so many levels. Mm. So what I found is as you're giving, you're going from a selfish mentality where it's all about me to a selfless mentality. And I have found in life that selfless people, they have better quality of life. I think mm. they prosper more. I think they're better spouses. They're better parents. They're better workers at work. I mean, they, they are, they're attractive people when you really can be this selfless person. And I think giving just ignites that. Um, and so I think it does stuff inside of you and your character and who you are. Uh, and I think it's so important because money is just a magnifying glass. It makes you more of what you already are. Oh, and so building example. your character through this process is so key. I mean, you talked about the lottery winners and how, you know, so many of them file bankruptcy and same with, with NFL players. Uh, and the reason why is I think a lot of times it's because they didn't know how to handle it because it's like, okay, all these things are being magnified in my life and I don't know what to do. But if you are, if you are, Giving, and that is part of your character, and you start to win with money, that's the part that's going to be magnified. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible thing that happens in your life. And not to mention, uh, it sounds cheesy, but it's true. It is the most fun you can have with money. I mean, go to Waffle House and leave a $100 bill as your tip and go sit in the car and watch that waitress get it. I mean, it's just – it is so fun to be able to do stuff for people. And so the joy that it brings to your life is, is absolutely incredible. So the habit in the book is give a little – because I know not everyone's in a position to be able to give a lot, but give a little until mm. you can give a lot. I love it. Rachel, thank, thank you, you so much for being here, for taking time out of your schedule, for writing this book, for caring about people enough to write it. And thanks Absolutely. for joining our program. Thank you, Ryan, guys. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate you. Thank you all for listening. I hope this gets you on the track it has me, and that's to better financial success. For more information on Rachel Cruz, her ministry, her book, her wallet, come to rebelparenting.org. Also, if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll get exclusive content from our guest every single week. God bless, and we'll see you next time on Rebel Parenting.